0: Hello and welcome to the MicroFounders podcast, where we interview non-technical professionals who have turned their ideas or side projects into profitable independent businesses, such as online courses, consultancies, coaching, or SaaS products using no-code or low-code tools. Each episode will be packed with actionable strategies and frameworks to help other non-technical professionals launch their own independent businesses as either a side project or as a means to transition away from traditional employment completely. In this episode, my guest Justin Williams shares his experience on being a full-time product leader at Focus Labs while simultaneously being a content creator. He created an online course on Maven where he teaches the fundamentals of what he has learned in product over the last 15 years. And he also actively publishes content on platforms such as Substack and Twitter. In this episode, we'll cover his core motivations behind becoming a content creator while working full-time, how others can launch their own online courses by following his step-by-step guide, He'll share his system for managing his time and the importance of prioritization. And finally, we'll cover how to build projects that are user-centric and the importance of receiving feedback from potential users early on in the process. All right, let's do this thing. All right. We are live, Justin Williams. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Ryan, good to see you.
0: <laughs> Likewise. Good it's it's talking. cool because I think, I think we connected, what, two years ago now? And I don't remember if it was a long, it's right. That's that's what I was thinking, because I think it was either a cold DM or a warmer intro where I was basically like, hey, I'm building this community for product managers. You look like you know what you're doing as a product managing director. Do you want to join us? (laughs) And then you were grateful enough to join us as a a mentor over the first fellowship. And I think now I'm reaching out saying, hey, I'm building this podcast (laughs) for independent creators. Do you want to join me? Because you're now an independent creator. And you're like, yeah, why not? And it's just it's just really cool to have folks like you in the ecosystem that's that's creating, that's doing all types of crazy things that we're going to get into, but also that's willing to share their wisdom, and willing to, you know, carve the path for other folks to actually join this this journey. So, thank you so much. Yeah,
1: well, I love I love <laughs> the I love the ethos of the podcast. I love how you have such clarity of vision, and you're like, hey, this is what it's for, and it's for these specific people. And, and I love stuff like that that's like really focused. So happy, happy to talk to you, and happy to be a part of it.
0: Hell yeah, let's do it. Okay. With your background, obviously you've had nearly 15 years of product experience, jumping around from different roles, being product, being director, and you know, all the types of leadership positions, all the way to now being a creator and launching your first product fundamentals discovery course on Maven. So I wanted to hear from you firsthand, just your background, getting into product and then your kind of motivations going into starting your own discovery course.
1: Yeah, so I started in product you know, m- many moons ago, over, over 10 years ago, and I actually started in UX uh, or user experience design before it really became a, a profession like it is now. And at the time I had no idea what I was doing, but I just knew I liked helping companies make software and like helping solve interesting problems. And that kind of translated into a career in product management where I spent most, most of my time, um, thus far at DeVita kidney care, where we kind of helped them uh, establish product and UX practices and worked on a electronic health record product that they sold to nephrologists or kidney doctors. So lots of fun, lots of learning. And from there, I did a couple of other startups, probably most notable here in Colorado called Cake Insure that you can use to get your workers' comp insurance online easily if you're a Colorado small business. And now I work at Focus Labs, which we are a company that helps other companies build software, but we also we also teach internal teams how to do product, how to do UX, how to do good technical practices. So having a lot of fun with with all of that. But yeah, as far as my my course, I really um I really got the motivation probably from working at Devito, where you know you're this product guy, and they bring you in. And they're like, hey, we have some problems to tackle. But you know, from the outside, you only hear so much. Then you get in there, and you're like, okay, you hear about the real problem like oh my god mm-hmm. you know all the customers hate the product at the time they had a negative net promoter score which is not good negative 65 so it ranges from oh wow <laughs> negative <laughs> negative 100 is like the worst product and positive 100 is the best right. so they had a horrible net promoter score and so you know my i started to go out and visit the actual clinics the doctor's offices and see them try to use the software and it was just a disaster yeah. And I have waiting rooms full of patients and nothing worked and it was horribly inefficient And, but I also just from watching them work and watching them try to, you know, treat patients and do notes using the software, I learned just a tremendous amount about the doctors and how they actually worked and what we could build instead. So it really, it really like that initial experience of working in in a weird field in healthcare, having some really demanding users like doctors and then having software that didn't work at all, really just drove in like a real passion for making simple things that worked. And I've tended to work in like, I guess, more boring or complicated industries like healthcare insurance, because... It just seems like there's more upside there and through learning all that, that's where I really started. The original motivation for the course was I sort of, I sort of came up with the same kind of playbook. I was teaching at every company I joined, you mentioned I joined in more leadership roles. So there I would actually do, you know, like weekly sessions with the team and say, Hey team, this week, we're going to talk about like testing for demand this week. We're going to talk about how to do, you know, a user interview. And so it started from there and it was stuff that I was already kind of teaching. and so that was the original motivation was just like hey these are the practices and techniques that helped me survive and this pretty intense i guess and you know throwing thrown it into the fire and expected to you know build build a product for these crazy doctors mm-hmm. so like these are some of the techniques and learnings and these are kind of the the tools that i wish that i had when i was first starting out to actually take a problem and then figure out like okay how do we take this messy problem and, and figure out some software we would build to actually help solve it
0: yeah i love that because some of the best founders have built solutions because they were the main people that were having the same problems, right? It's a problem that you've had previously and you're like, well, if I'm having this problem, other people are having this problem for sure. And odds are other people are having that problem. And so it's just great to hear folks actually, you know, when you don't have, when you don't find a solution, you go out there and start creating it yourself.
1: Yeah, the scratch the scratch your own itch kind of methodology definitely definitely resonates. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So tell me tell me a bit more about the course on Maven specifically the length and maybe some of the topics that you cover.
1: Yeah, so the course is called Product Discovery Fundamentals, but it's really to help people discover the jo- what I call the joy of building product. I think product is one of those jobs that you can it can be the worst job in the world and it can be the best job in the world, and these are kind of the tools and techniques. Because really, product's about building things about helping people. It's about, you know, creating software that hopefully helps make the world a better place. Um, but that's also really messy and really hard. And a lot oftentimes product people, when they first join or they're more junior, they're asked to do more lower level stuff or more like, Hey, the company already has an idea of the solution and you're just there to kind of execute. And so this is the course is designed for people who kind of have gotten their feet wet in products and realize that there's more there, but also realize there's a lot more going into figuring out, well, how, what, how do we actually come up with what to build versus just the execution execution of the solution? Right. So that's where, that's the kind of stuff I just love talking about. I love geeking out with other product people on these problems. And that's what the course is focused, focused around really the whole, how do we take just this problem statement how do we actually come up with some tests to figure out what we might build and how do we go from there to actually delivering the product?
0: You know, and thinking about creating the course itself, because I know you're a crazy busy person. Obviously, you're a leader in product. You're a full-time father, full-time recent father. Congratulations. <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> so you're active on Twitter. You started a newsletter. You, I believe you're still a coach in Lenny's product foundation course, or? That,
1: uh, he's not doing that one anymore. He's but, not doing um, that one anymore. Yeah. But yeah. All, all those other things are, are also all true. All those <laughs> other things combined
0: and building a full two week course on top of that. So that's one of the things that I always hear from folks is I want to do X, but I'm too busy and I don't have time. And I don't know what to do about it, but you're out here, with doing, you know, seven streams of different things, all full-time roles, basically, especially being a father, <laughs> but yet you you found the time to create this course. So run me through your thought process on, on creating the course and how do you manage time?
1: Yeah, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great question. So one, for all the people out there, maybe considering kids, I actually found that have, having one yourself makes you get like much more efficient with your time so that I'd actually I'd actually is almost on ironically maybe be better because I don't know when you I just feel like there's me and my wife both reflect on this but there's just a lot less like wasted time between us nowadays so that that in a sense feels good but as far as um you know I think a big thing is giving yourself permission to be interested in something and kind of dip your toes in and then being okay with setting it on the sidelines for a while and coming back to it. That was certainly my experience with, with my course, you know, I, I got interested, because as you mentioned, I was helping this other guy, Lenny, teach his course. And a part of my motivation was oh, this, it was just so much fun to interact with the students. And I, I liked his content, but I felt like, oh, this is kind of just like, he's just barely scratching the surface on product discovery. And I feel like I could add a lot more. So Part of it was, you know, just just being willing to join his, like, try it out as a different role, like as a coach, not doing my own thing, and seeing kind of getting a feel for what it would take. But then really, I think one of the things that I like to do are, are to say yes to a lot of things, but then just dip your toes in and see how far it takes you and then give your permission, your self permission to back off and, and leave it alone for a while if you're if you just got other stuff. So like, I started the idea of the course before we had the little guy. Um, I actually put it on ice for probably, you know, like six months mm. or six months with him. And then after that, I actually came back to it. And when I came back to that, I actually changed a lot of things. Like it was originally called the creative product manager It was really focused on more like, how do you bring creativity into your practice of product? And, you know, and literally it was very serendipitous. One day I got an email from Maven. I kind of forgot about it. One day I got an email from Maven that's like, Hey, you've got X amount of people on your wait list. And I was like, Oh, that's right. I've got this like page <laughs> out there. That's like people are actually signing up for so it made me like that's awesome it, it made me kind of like oh i should actually get back into this and then i started getting back into it and talking to people and we kind of we pivoted i pivoted the idea from there but i think giving yourself that permission to like try something without feeling like you're oh like i'm 100 percent in on this and and also doing the courses like what i i think led me to be more active on twitter to start the newsletter because those those things all kind of if you if you get into this I and mean, surely you'll 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 find this ryan like like you said with the podcast before we started talking like Doing like one act of creativity, like one, like by creating like the course content, it's kind of like, well, you have content to promote on Twitter. You have, you know, content to promote on LinkedIn. Like you could, if, you were, if I was younger, I would be doing this on TikTok, right? TikTok but like well, I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah, you can, if you can really do like by, by just doing one thing or, or one creative act or just putting your foot a little forward down the path, I think you'll find like, oh, like there's actually all this synergy between the things that I'm trying to do. So it can look daunting if you look at it from oh well you've got to create a course and you've got to start a newsletter and you've got to promote on Twitter. But really a lot of a lot of what you're doing is like it all kind of adds up and there's there's some some synergies there to use a horrible business word. And of course, if you're doing
0: a good job, you will likely have a bit of a following already. And in your case, you had people subscribed ready to go from the course, which is always a nice add-on, right? That's always that just goes to show that you've been doing a good job and people recognize your name and when they saw you during the course, you were like, yeah, you know, Justin's a good guy. This course sounds good. I'm going to sign up. And it's all, you know, like, that's just such a, such a good way of knowing what the market actually wants, if people are willing to sign up right off the bat. So, and to your other point around what essentially is being a generalist versus a specialist. Right, that's something that I've battled for quite a few years of, mm. should I be dipping my toes in a few different buckets or should I be specializing in one bucket and make that my my bucket and just love the shit out of that one bucket. But I definitely found it's a lot more useful to be dipping toes, especially earlier on in your career. That's, that's what I thought. But looking back at some of the most interesting folks that are maybe chief executives or great founders, they have been able to combine a lot of different interests, a lot of different skill sets, a lot of different networks to be able to create solutions whether it's a product, starting your own thing, or again, whether you're an executive somewhere, because the folks that I've seen that have been very specialized, great people as well, but very narrowly focused. And then one day if they wake up and they realize, oh my God, I'm a SEO specialist and I hate SEO. My life is so dull. I just look at websites every day. Then you're like, well, you only have one skill set, right? Versus if you're more, a bit more of a generalist, you're able to take your toes, you're able to learn different skill sets, and maybe one day combine that into what you were saying, that. Justin, where you're able to combine the product experience that you have, plus your creativity, plus et cetera, to create this course, which I'm assuming keeps you very entertaining, interested in your
1: work. Yeah, that's, that's another thing. It's a way to more deeply connect with your work. And I I like what you said about combining your interests into your, your field. Right. I think that's really important. And if we look back at kind of, um, I'm just reading this book on mastery and it goes through all the masters Mm. and one of the points it makes is like they're all unique in their own way. And it was really their willingness to embrace what made them strange or, or unique that led them to being kind of this one of one. So for so many of us, it's like, oh, do this, you know, be this specialist, be that. But I think in reality, it's more, no, embrace yourself, embrace what makes your perspective unique, right? Embrace your journey along the way. And Maven us has a great a company around the course courses called Maven. And they, they, when you do it, they, they, you join a course to teach you how to build a course. And in there, they have a right. great section on like, they call it turning bugs into features, but basically it's like, Mm. no matter where you are in your journey, like there's somebody else that's in your shoes, like right now. And like, for them, like hearing from you where you're at is actually probably a lot more powerful than hearing from someone who's like, Oh, I'm 20 years removed from this, or I'm I'm no executive at like a big tech company. It's like, well, they're probably far removed from your work as a product person at like, you know, random growth stage company or whatever. So you actually have a lot more to say in that. So do I think people also discount their own story and their own uniqueness and their own ability to like give back to the community, regardless of where you're at, because there's always somebody in your shoes and that perspective of someone living it right now is always helpful and, and unique. 100%.
0: So I'm curious in terms of thinking about some of the main reasons that triggered your thought behind the course, what were some of the first initial thoughts that you had that made you jump into course creation?
1: Yeah. So I think for me, it was when I was first helping Lenny teach his course on product management fundamentals. One, like seeing firsthand the type of content that he was producing and be like, okay, uh, you know, I think, you know, you take one of these things. You're like, okay, you know, you think about what you could do. And I thought I could produce some stuff that was, you know, just as unique, if not more interesting. And then, so there's that kind of like, I don't know, maybe hub- hubris aspect of it of like, you see other people doing it. And you're like, oh, maybe I could do this better or just put my own unique kind mm-hmm. of twist on it. And then there's like, like the, the joy and the experience you have while doing it. And that's actually one of my advice for folks is to is to start a note and just write down like when when you do something that gives you energy, write that down on one part of the note. And then when you do something that makes you feel kind of like boring or sluggish or whatever, saps mm-hmm. your energy, write that down. And like for me, I wrote down like just interacting with students was something that really gave me energy. Like I just loved I, it felt like to your point, like earlier, it felt like it helped me like learn more about my craft. It felt like I was more connecting with the younger people and what they were really interested in. And it just gave me like a lot of that internal motivation. And then the third kind of thing is I'd also around the time I hadn't read this book, but I heard Dan Pink give a talk and do mm. this new book that I'll mess up the name, but it's, it's something about regrets. So it's basically like. you know, he interviewed all these people near the end of their life and basically categorized like, hey, we have these four big regrets. And like the number one thing is like, and I'll forget what he's actually calling it, but it's basic lack of going for it. It's like, hey, I had this opportunity to like, you know, go after this love interest or ask someone out or go after this job or whatever. And I didn't do it. And that always stuck out to me as like, you know, just kind of like if you if you're thinking about going for it, I think there's a lot of power in just going for it. For one, you can just thank your future self and say, hey, I'm going to minimize regret because I'm going to try it. and mm. you know, you might define you, you. might find you don't like it, and which is great because then you can say, "Hey, instead of thinking your whole life there was this amazing thing I could be doing, you're just like, I tried it. Guess what? I thought it sucked. I'm gonna go do something else." That's a very good outcome. Um, or you might find that you like it, and even if you know, like, reg- like regardless of uh, you know success or not, or however you classify that, like, I think another good point is that always stuck with me is just this idea of thinking about success like prob- probabilistically, so not saying like hey I'm running this course and I'm expecting to get this amount of students or make this much money but just saying like hey I'm gonna run this course I'm gonna have really really low expectations and Mm -hmm. then some good stuff like might come out of it and the analogy that I heard that I that stuck with me was like if you think about like a young person going to a party it's like well you can't you know you can't say I'm gonna get any one thing out of going to a party but like you might get you know you might find a love interest you might find like a good friend, you might find someone who can help you with a career, you might find someone who like really geeks out with you on a hobby, you know, there's all these like good probabilistic things that might happen if you go to a party, but you can't say like any one of them for sure. So you know, the the other advice is like, just go for it. And some other good probability might spill out of it that you weren't even that you weren't even thinking about. Like, when when I ran this course, you know, now my company is interested in being doing thought leadership stuff. So now they're talking to me about Oh, Maybe this is something we should license from you and try to sell when we talk to wow. companies about improving their product teams and stuff like that. I was like, Oh, you know, I was never thinking about things like that when I got started. So, you know, I think there's there's also just a just a good a good thing of like, hey, when in doubt, if you think you have the idea, like just kind of go for it. Dip your toes in, see where it leads you and go you from have, there. What do you have
0: to lose? What do you have to lose? Yeah, what do you have to lose? Yeah, right. exactly. So the worst thing that can happen is maybe you'll make a friend. You'll meet yeah. someone interesting, you know? <laughs> like That's one of the things that I keep on hearing from so many people that have started something and potentially had it failed, but at the end of it, they built the skills of resiliency. They now are a stronger person. They've learned more about themselves. They learn more about how they're wired, about who they are, and they've been able to put that out in the world. And so they learn about themselves more often than not. They've built a couple of connections. They can show that they've created something from scratch, which is something very, very powerful that a lot of people don't do. but. Of course it didn't work out, but you've got, you've received so many other benefits that's maybe most, more often not super tangible, but those can compound over the years and you never know where that's going to lead you in the future. Right. A couple of other things that you mentioned that I thought was great. There was the first part that you were talking about looking at the things that you love and things that you don't love and just kind of doing a retrospective and seeing what other things that kind of bring you alive and other things that don't, there's a cool tool that I tried a couple of years back where I basically just looked at the last, I think it was three months of my calendar and just looked at everything that I've done and everything that I hated versus everything that I loved. Right. So which meetings did I enjoy the most? Which meetings did I hate? What what task did I really enjoy versus didn't? And I just wrote down, there's, there's this quadrant that one of the coaches that coached a lot of CEOs, and I might be butchering this framework, but it's, it's essentially like your zone of comfort, your zone of excellence, your zone of intelligence, and your zone of genius. The oh, yes, genius, I've heard this. Yeah. Right. The zone of genius is a space that you're you're just thriving. It feels like play. You're not necessarily working, right? It's just like you show up, you wake up, just doing it. it. It just feels so much fun doing that thing. <laughs> and to a lot of other people on the outside, they, it seems like you're working and you put in right. 16 hours a day. But to you, it's play. It's a game. You're just playing a game and you're having a good time. But to other people that might be looking at this saying, oh, a podcast, it sounds like so much, so, such hard work. It is, but it's also play for me, right? This is a lot of fun having a, a conversation so I think again were there just any to the
1: first were there any other things from your deep dive into your calendar that came out as surprising, either good or bad like I think the act
0: of doing the activity was surprising to me, right because I've up until that point never thought about journaling, never thought about reflections to just doing a retro on the work that I've done, never done it, but doing that really helped me realize like oh wow, I didn't realize I did that many meetings and felt great in 90% of these meetings versus these meetings that maybe mm. I excelled at because I had a great presentation in those meetings, but I hated it. <laughs> yeah, I just did not enjoy it. So as I looked at it, I'm like, well, in, in terms of future roles, in terms of future opportunities, as i are thinking, which what are the opportunities that's going to reflect the things that I'm really good at and the things that feel like play to me? right? So maybe I can't have that right now in the role that I'm doing, but looking ahead, how can I manifest my zone of genius in everything else that I do, and whether it's a side project for my, to, you know, to channel my creativity, or it's a it's the full time gig that I'm doing, or the company that I've started, right? And the second piece that you brought up that I wanted to also cover was the Dan Pink system because what, and I'm gonna butcher it as well here, but he basically talks about like the core motivators of what really get people to be energized, to feel ready for work, right, to feel fulfilled in the things that they do, and he talks about there was three of them. It was like autonomy, mastery, and and purpose. And purpose, right? And that's that's one of the that's one of the people that that really inspired me to start this podcast because as I actually started having conversations with hundreds of of people, I've in a way elaborated on on those three buckets where I call it VicG, which is a horrible acronym, but it's V-I-C-G-I. V is for vision. I is for impact and then C is for connections for growth. And then the last I is for independence. So the independence part, like starting, right? Starting with reverse, independence is the autonomy piece, right? Basically, a lot of people that go independent, they want to do that because they want to own their own hours, right? They want to work on projects that they care about. They want to work with the people that they care about. With G with growth, what I realize is a lot of people, when they reach a certain level, they feel like they've stagnated. They don't feel like they're growing in their roles. They're just out there. I don't know filing papers or doing whatever, joining these meetings that are completely useless. They don't feel like the skills where they want to grow, That's they don't feel like that's happening to them. See with connections, that's all about working with the right people because we're human beings at the end of the day, we're very social creatures. And if we don't have the right people, if we're working with people that are super toxic, we don't want to be around them, right? And maybe we're forced to be around those people. So having the right peers and the right support system is super incredible. And if you have that at work, that's super powerful, but most people I feel like don't. With the I, so VI, that's impact. And it's just looking at, maybe think, of, think about it as being in your deathbed. And you're like, well, mm-hmm. what are the things that I regret? What impact, what legacy have I had on this world during the time that I've had? And a lot of people, to the point that you shared, is looking back, they're like, I, sh- I should have done this, and I wish I did that. And they just just never reached that level of impact. And then last one is, is vision. Because companies, every company has a vision, and mission, every good company at least, but people don't have that. Right? people are just kind of going from opportunity to opportunity they're just kind of coasting throughout the endless path of 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 careers because they don't have a clear vision of who they are how they wired who do they want to become and i think combined what i'm seeing and the reason why i'm starting this podcast is because you're able to capture all of those as an independent as an independent person that's launching either you know a business or some kind of side thing you're able to have the impact that you want like for you with the course impact-wise, you're able to reach directly a handful of students, right? You, you as Justin right. Richards are able to have an impact on, on other people, which is pretty incredible. You know, you're building your connections, you're, you have a vision for yourself, you're growing, and that work is independent work. You can start a course if you want to, you can stop the course completely. You, you choose how you want to structure it. There's a lot of creative processes that, that go there. And so it's just a fascinating space that I want more and more people to realize these buckets. And I want them to be able to channel them, whether on their current job, or a side thing, or branching out completely and doing their own independent work. <laughs> you know? I love that. that. I love that. You should write a you should write a post on that back to them if
1: that's already planned.
0: I should. It's definitely in in the backlog somewhere. <laughs> of course. <yeah. laughs> I, I I really wanted to get this podcast off the ground, so that's that's obviously why we're doing this, and then eventually that's going to become a you know blog post and a tweet and etc. So <laughs>
1: but, that's awesome.
0: I, I'd love to go back and just go through, because one of the things that's a bit not as clear for a lot of folks thinking about going towards the path of, of building a cohort is essentially the step-by-step. I know Maven has their own step-by-step, but what are certain things that you've seen specifically that has helped you? And just essentially, what have those step-by-step processes been?
1: Yeah, so I think so. I think first, there's kind of, kind of like you were talking about earlier. There's like, what do you like, What do, what really feels like play for me, but might feel like work for other people. Mm. So it's like, where is that intersection of like interest, but also value? Like if there's a Venn diagram of like all the stuff I'm interested in, all the stuff I want to teach, there's maybe another one of like, what? okay, of all the stuff I want to teach, like where, like, what are people getting the value out of? So Mm -hmm. I think like step one is kind of doing a deep dive into figuring out like, okay, what is Like, what is my, what is my topic and how, how specific or general do I want to get? Do I just want to have a course on product management? That's super broad. I, I went in a little heavier with product discovery, but there's a lot of folks that do much more specific. Like, how do you Mm. break into, you know, a big tech company as an AI product manager with no AI experience, like stuff like that, where it's like hyper specific. So that's kind of like step one is, you know, thinking about just what do you want to do? And then step two is really figuring out like, okay, is there interest in this? So that could be something like at Maven, there's a landing page tool, so you build your own landing page and share it out. Or they sometimes recommend doing like a pre-course interest survey. So it's like, hey, thinking about teaching this thing, but get like a survey out there. So there's some sense of like, have your first idea, but then quickly get an artifact out there, whether that's a landing page or a survey, to test it in the market to see if it's resonating with you. and then you can also use that artifact to share it with friendly. So I certainly shared it with some friends, some strangers about like, Hey, here's my landing page. Just what do you think about it? It's a little, it's a little bit harder than maybe a normal product test. Cause it's actually you. Right. Like, hey, give me some feedback. <laughs> <RP."> <laughs> like, Do I sound like I'm full of shit? Uh, oh, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and so that, that took a little, that took a little getting used to But once you can get over that, it's, it's just very, it's very tremendous. And one of, one of the best pieces, one of the best ways you can give, some, you can ask someone to give you feedback is to have them record a Loom or record like use like whatever video thing, and just have them like, hey, don't look at my landing page. Open it up the first time, and I just want you to record yourself talking out loud as you walk through it. And giving that just will give you so much of a sense of like what's in people's head, what's interesting, what's working, what's not. I'm a big fan of that kind of method. So once you, once you get the ball rolling with, hey, like what do I want to teach and Two, I've got some like process in place to kind of either get a survey or my landing page out for feedback. You can kind of go from there and and refine that way. So that, that was kind of my method. And then of course, have a giant notion page where you're drawing all your ideas and all your okay. different, you know, course exercise ideas and just all the things that could come out of your head. So th- th- that was kind of my my process for, for building it out.
0: And it's it's super, super important because as you think about any product, everyone that anyone that has built good products, They've been super user centric. They've been focused on who the user is from the very beginning. And even with this podcast, the first thing that I did was reach out to five people. I'm like, hey, this mm-hmm. is what I'm thinking about. You are the target that I'm trying to work for. What, what do you think about this podcast? What do you think about the idea? What do you think about the guests that I want to have on this on this uh, podcast? And the feedback that I've received is what I've used to be able to grab these questions, right? to then ask and go back and forth. So. Is super super important. I think I think that's that's the best two step right there. If we could sum it down to just yeah, you know, have an idea, fantastic, get out, start testing it, <laughs> and, and testing is the so easy. Yeah, the sooner the better. Yeah, and testing is incredibly easy. There, it's a hundred tools to build a website. There's literally right. over a hundred tools to build. A there's so many different pathways of building out websites of launching a curriculum, which is. In a way, we, we did that as well at it where we had a bit of a curriculum and we just started getting out there. Getting out there for us meant just reaching out to people on LinkedIn. I mean, like, hey, yeah. you don't know us, but we're this company that's trying to help product managers accelerate their careers. Do you have five minutes? Do you have 10 minutes? Do you have 30 minutes? Some people give us 45 minutes to full hour because they just really enjoy the conversation. And so you just never know where those conversations can go and what you can learn from people. The best thing you can do is just get out there and start talking.
1: Yeah. And I'd say to that, at least for me, like talking to people about your idea, even if you're not getting like the feedback that you want, <laughs> like you're getting critical mm. feedback, it's still very energizing, like it's still very motivating. And then you get to the ideas that they do like, or the things <laughs> that they want to see. And that's super energizing. So from a, like, hey, how do you get motivated to keep moving forward perspective, one of the best things you can do is just, if you have that cadence or cycle of actively sharing your ideas and getting feedback, like that is motivating in of itself. Yep.
0: Yep. Couldn't agree more. So those are the the good things. I'm curious about some of the challenges that you faced with the course. So what are certain obstacles that you faced in the past and what are maybe certain of the ones that you're facing right now?
1: Yeah. So some of the obstacles for me are just like how much, you know, how much do you put yourself out there from like a marketing standpoint? Like I could probably be better at doing more of that. I kind of, probably do it more on the minimal side. So that's, mm. that's, those are some things that, that hold me back. And then the other thing is just thinking about, well, how much do I, you know, like, oh, well, what if I, should I start teaching a different course? Like, or should I iterate and, and do this course? Because so you get into right. just like the sheer number of possibilities and ways you could go with things. Those things do kind of like those things do kind of get in your head. And then I think there's probably like the biggest anxiety is just, it's like, whatever link, I would call it like LinkedIn. And you're basically like, you're going to see all these creators out there. They've all got awesome stuff. And they've all got their newsletters. And you're just going to see like constant, I mean, you're, you're like constant, like you're going to see, like, you're going to get constant newsletters, constant stuff on LinkedIn. You're like, oh, that's really cool. Link to just like trying to, you know, turn off notifications that as much as like, you're going to be part of this whole social media creator economy ecosystem. They're like also maybe like tuning that out a little bit, even as you're participating in it can be helpful. Otherwise it can feel, it can be real, feel really easy. Just like, oh my God, like there's so many people doing this. They're all out there. There's so much content. Like, why should I do it? Like, why, what is the world gonna learn from me? Like all those like really unhelpful as Dr. if He was in that podcast. He calls them Mm, autobiographical narratives, right? They're unhelpful autobiographical narratives. You put in stuff into your own Mm -hmm. head that like you have no idea if it's, if it's if it's true or not. So I think there's uh, I think there's an aspect of like connect, but also disconnect as much as you can or like, you know, just have no expectation, like put out a piece of content and turn off notifications and then go back a month later, you know, and see like, oh, okay, I wrote these five posts this month. Like, this is how the stats took out in the end. But don't did try not to get on the treadmill of like, oh, I just released something. So if I don't see X amount of likes, I feel like a failure or whatever, you know? <laughs> right, It's it's
0: all in the name of temperance of just being patient. Because you're comparing yourself to someone that's been in the game for six plus years. Exactly. Sometimes some of these creators have literally been, you know, using like Motorola when Motorola phones were out. If you get to remember Motorola, the yeah. Razer phone, the Flip phone. I phone man. <laughs> right, right, right. But 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 people were 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 just adapting the technology off the bat and they were creating. They just, again, that was their zone of genius. That was what, they were really good at it and they just were doing it before all the, these fancy platforms and tools and et cetera. And so they've had it in their system since, since a very, very long time. And for you to compare yourself that who's just starting out now, it's it's just not fair, <laughs> you know? So it's it's just a matter of which anyone who's anyone that has started anything will tell you, it's it's being patient. It's being consistent and being patient. You consistently keep producing, keep doing things. I think Mr. B said it, just watching this video, if you know Mr. Beast is one of the oh, yeah. like most popular YouTubers right now. And he's like, your first hundred videos won't have an impact. First hundred. And I was like, wait, a <laughs> hundred? How many hours? <laughs> this fucking be oh, a <laughs> hundred? But like really a hundred? But really? <laughs> but at the same time, that that's the, that's the name of the game, right? Like you are really, you are competing. And it's, it seems like there's not enough creators. But then you go online and you're like, oh shit, there's a lot of creators. And you could have the first mover advantage like folks on TikTok that, you know, were nobodies before quote unquote nobodies, but within a span of a few months, because they were one of the first people there, they have millions and millions of followers. And they're just that what's what's interesting there too is like those followers then turn into like full business models. Like those creators right. end up, you know, launching different products that have nothing to do with the thing that got them the the name recognition to begin with, but people are are, are buying into the name. People are buying into the person because they're banging to the character of of the persona that they created online. So the opportunities, again, something we've covered before, is just the opportunities that come out from just creating and being out there, it's endless. And one of the other last thing that I learned is just the creativity that comes from being authentic, authenticity, not not creativity, because there's with so much content, content is very cheap, right? Right. You can create just about anything on ChatGPT3 and post that as a tweet, post that as an article, I think with being authentic, that's one thing that's really lacking in this space because being authentic is hard. Copying and pasting is easy, <laughs> you know. And so part of the reason why, again, with this podcast, is I think this is the form for me to be the most creative and authentic. Just having casual conversations with folks that I enjoy, you know. So there's different channels, different paths for so doing it. I think the best thing is just to do it again, do it. <laughs>
1: I love that. I love that too. And Ryan, so what's your advice on people who, cause I think another thing that I've struggled with future to hear your take on is like, how much do you tr- like, I think there's people, the whole idea of like being user-centric, asking people what they want and trying to establish like patterns or formulas that like people generally like versus like the authenticity piece, which is like maybe being more yourself or putting like a little more personality into things, or maybe writing about things that are a little more off the beaten path. How, how do you, how have you thought about like balancing, balancing that? Cause that's still. That's still a struggle for me. I'm like, oh, should I use, profanity? like, I do use a lot of profanity. Should I write profanity in my newsletter? But then right. am I turning right. a bunch of people off? I'm not, you know, like that whole kind of. Thing.
0: <laughs> I think even, okay, with the last point, I think there's a way to use profanity that is just wonderful in a way. It just breeds authenticity because if you're using, you know, curse words every few sentences, it's like, yeah. well, you're just, you're just a potty mouth, right? But if th- you're yeah. using it, it's actually interesting, um, you mentioned this because I was on your website under the kudos tab. One of the, I think it was a CTO of one of the companies in the email, the last word he had was, we'll miss you, you bastard. <laughs> I don't know if you, <laughs> my friend Corey, yeah, yeah. Corey. And I was like, wow, he <laughs> used <laughs> <laughs> and this is the, the chief technology officer. This but it's is, a, like, company, I'm this is sure... a company email. Yeah. <laughs> right. This is company professional email. It's was like, okay, <laughs> Mr. CTO. But, but again, it's the way that he used it. Obviously, you guys have a great background, but there's ways of using it that will make you giggle. And that's a very pow- powerful way of going about it. I think the way that I've done it with user discovery and then content creation is just start talking to people, right? Get, get the idea, start talking to people, refine the idea, and then just publish something. Publish the most minimum mm. viable, right? Instead of minimum viable product, build the minimum viable experiment. That's the most mm. minimum viable thing that you can get out there. And then from that piece, start getting more feedback. So for example, I reached out to folks about this podcast. This is my second episode. So I'm going to launch these episodes and then start talking to the same people that I reached out to or folks that maybe want to talk to me afterwards. And just be like, hey, mm-hmm. what do you think about the first two episodes? Right? I'm mean, just going to keep talking to people, keep getting a sense of, of what they want, because some people might be like, Ryan, great, but I just wanted to know step-by-step step on marketing, of course. I didn't care really? about all of the fluff and all the, all the this and that. And so what's, what might be, cause the first podcast that I, that I did was a conversation more, it was supposed to be a deeper dive into the person's consultancy, but it ended up being more about life, more about meta conversations about living a fulfilling life, which was fantastic, but I'm now curious, are people going to resonate with that? or did they want to learn how to create a consultancy step-by-step, mm, you know? My yeah. hypothesis My hypothesis is that you can learn how to build just about anything online. There are step-by-step guides for just, you wanna start a newsletter? There's a 10 page step-by-step guide you wanna start, whatever, there's so many guides. And I'm like, is that what people really want? I'm not sure. Maybe they do want that, but they want it from the authentic voice of someone that has created it versus just a company that's blogging about guidance to create um, to funnel down people to their website, right? Yeah. And yeah. so and so that's 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 the never ending game that I think is just learning from people, creating some kind of iteration, publishing it, keep learning, keep creating, keep learning, keep creating. That's I mean that's the name of the game of being agile. All right. So I think it's very applicable to just about anything, including side businesses and independent businesses. So Cool. Well, I know we're just about time here. So I think super last question is in just the last five years or so, what new belief or behavior or even habit have you changed that's really improved your life?
1: Oh yeah, such a great such a great question. <laughs> For me, it'd be like if I had to if I just sum it up, I'd I'd say one word like meditation. But maybe mindfulness is a generally better better way. But I think, you know, we think about, you know, doing this, we think about creating, right? And one of the best ways to create is to have an uncluttered mind or or basically to allow yourself to get bored because a lot of us, we're, you know, we're consuming content nearly all the time and there's real power in stepping back, having a space for yourself, just to be thoughtless to give your mind a break with meditation but then also if you just you can apply the same concept to just you know going on a walk like if you go on a walk and you leave your headphones behind you basically force your brain to get bored and what happens is you're going to start to think of a lot of more interesting things they've actually done studies on this and basically the gist is that if you get bored your brain defaults to kind of creativity but the problem is there's so many ways to distract yourself and keep yourself from getting bored so meditation is almost a way to practice like being okay, sitting by yourself for 10 minutes with nothing to do, right? Which is really powerful. I think, I I think my wife showed me an Instagram video of them doing the study of like, if you sit by yourself for 10 minutes, you could have, or they put people in a room and the only thing that people could do is shock themselves. If they got bored, Mm. there's like an electric, like self shocker and (laughs) an alarming percentage of people shock themselves because Uh, they can't just sit in a room for 10 minutes with their thoughts. Um, So I think there's an incredibly powerful Mm. sense in learning to be thoughtful, being okay, having the capability to almost direct your attention. That's really what meditation is. It's the ability to focus your attention intensely on whatever mm-hmm. you want to, and that can be helpful in so many different situations. So that's what I would tell people, you know, check out waking up. It's a it's an app you can try, I think for free mm-hmm. for 30 days, but there's probably a hundred different apps out there, but practice mindfulness, practice turning your brain off. And that can, that can really help you help you with yeah. just so many different things here. I and mean, I think it definitely will help you be more creative.
0: Yeah. Could not agree more. There's a there's a quote. I initially heard it from Naval Radhakant, but I'm sure he got it from someone else. But it's basically, might butcher it a little bit, but it's, it's basically, all of the world's problems come from men's inability to sit for 30 minutes at a time.
1: I've seen him and... retweet that a bunch of
0: times. <laughs> <laughs> I it's, it's, it's crazy it's interesting because if you think about it, yeah, a lot of people cannot just sit and process and think and just be there for themselves, because it's always dings and dongs and slack, tack, 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 and, and all these distractions continuously. And that's how these apps are designed to be, right? They're designed to keep you hooked. And so they're doing their job, but it's your it's part of your own process to be like, well, I'm going to push all of those things away and just sit there. And the, the good mental model to think about that is to get your brain to inbox zero. Right? So as I you're sitting that. there and as you're sitting and as you're processing, trying to reach inbox zero. So that now your mind is clear right you're able to just focus on the things that matter the most you're able to bucket all of the tasks that you have and all the things that stop a mind because sometimes when i do that i start thinking to myself like this is i gotta do my taxes holy shit, i'm leaving the us soon i gotta do this is a this is a real thing <laughs> but then when i when i sit this is the first time that i'm going to be filing taxes in the, in the us too it's going to be interesting but when i sit and think about it i realize there are certain things that are out of my control and so letting that thought bother me 24-7 for something that I cannot control currently, it's useless. I know that by a certain date, I'm going to have the paperwork that I'm going to be able to file the taxes, I'm then able to just, you know, be free. But from now till then, if I just continuously have that in my mind, it's just going to keep bothering me on top of everything else that might be top of mind, bother me 24-7. And how am I supposed to work and be creative if I'm constantly in this zone of anxiety, right? So... Very powerful tool, not just to work, but to be a better human being. So (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. This was incredible. Justin, thank you so much. Last thing is of course, where can people find you? Where can people find your course? What's the best way to reach out to you?
1: Yeah. People can find my course on Maven or just Google product discovery fundamentals. I also write a Substack, a newsletter called practical product discovery. So either of those two places are good. My website, since I have a very. Uh, boring generic Caucasian male name just Williams <laughs> nearly impossible to website. So my website you're right my website is unrefinedruffian.com <laughs> right. uh, is yeah. oh. it's a old nickname but yeah kind it also has links to all my various activities though
0: <laughs> awesome that's that's beautiful and we'll add all of those in the show notes as well. So Justin, thank you so much for your time.
1: Thanks John great I'll talking to, to talk you, see you
0: soon. All right Bye-bye. bye bye. Bye. All right. So that's it for this episode. I hope you are as excited as I am to kick off your journey towards building a deeply fulfilling career. If you are a non-technical founder or know someone who is, I would love to chat. Please feel free to DM me via either Twitter or LinkedIn and let's connect. And if you like this episode and want to hear more of it, I would absolutely love for you to leave a quick review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I would also love it if you were to share this episode with your friends and or follow us on social media at microfounders. So that's it for now. Thank you so much and get out there and start building your independent businesses.